Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 104 of the Go Get Outside podcast. This is your host, Jason Milligan. Welcome back. Welcome aboard. Welcome to the final episode of season five. If you are a frequent listener, you may know that these final episodes of a season, I like to do something out of the normal for the show. So today's episode will not be an interview. It will be a special episode about my experiences on the John Muir Trail and the experiences of listeners. So this is our Diaries from the John Muir Trail episode, and I intend to let that carry us all the way through to the end of the show, so there will be no outro today. So everything that would be covered in that outro, I will cover now really quickly. First of all, this is the end of Season 5. This is the 104th episode, so thanks to all of you who have been listening and supporting this show for any number of those 104 episodes. At present, I'm not sure when the sixth season will begin. If you haven't been paying attention, 2020 is a weird-ass year, so who knows what is coming in the last half of this year, so I am not making any promises at this point, but I do intend to come back with a sixth season. Maybe it will start at the end of this year, maybe it won't start until early next year. Really hard to know right now, but please stick around, listen to past episodes, get in touch with us, All those things to help keep the show going. And speaking of getting in touch with us, I'm going to go over really quickly how you can do that. Go at ButcherBirdStudios.com is how you can send us an email. Or you can always send us a text or leave a voicemail at 818-925-0106. And if you want to do me a favor, please head to your podcast purveyor of choice. Subscribe, rate, review, and share all those things. And once you start listening to this episode, if you'd like to have pictures in your head of the John Muir Trail, then head to our website, gogetoutside.com. Look for this, episode 104, Diaries from the JMT, and you're going to see a number of photographs that I took on my 26 days on the John Muir Trail, which I think will help engross you in the story. There were a number of people who contributed to this episode who appear in this episode, so I just want to thank all of them right now. That includes Cindy Wyatt... David Burns, Mark Crawford, Phil Westmoreland, Reed Siglin, Pamela Zulalian, Erica Tariquez, Ryan Payne, Lee Trebitich, and Alden Ander. <sighs> Zipper's stuck. What happened with the squeaky door? Oh, you oiled the door? How are we going to do the squeaky door effect? Hey everyone, this is the Go Get Outside podcast with your host Alden Anderson and today we are broadcasting live from Da Nang, Vietnam. Today we will be talking about the John Muir Trail, also known as the JMT to those in the know. And without further ado, let's get right to it. So it's August 21st, 7.44 a.m., the first day of the John Muir Trail. Feel the altitude a little bit, just under 10,000 feet right now, and I am walking up the trail. Pack is heavy, it's about 50 pounds right now. For the last five days, I was worried because I kept having this knee pain, but uh, today it's barely existent, virtually non-existent, so that gives me hope that it's going to do okay. So I was really concerned that it might interfere with me being able to do this at all. Yesterday, Erica drove me up to Lone Pine, picked up my permit, then we went up to Onion Valley, which is where my first resupply will be. 
when I went over to the bear locker to put my food cache in it. And I saw two other food caches in there. Started getting pretty excited. So I'm starting in Cottonwood Pass. Technically not the John Muir Trail yet. Permits for this trail are pretty hard to get from either direction. Permits out of Cottonwood, not so hard. So it does add about 20 miles. I won't officially be on the John Muir Trail until probably tomorrow. My name is Reed, and I live in San Diego. I think day one was definitely tough. I had already done a four-day backpacking trip, went down to civilization and had a bunch of good food, and then going back in was a little tough. Got up the pass pretty early. Past Chicken Spring, it just became this afternoon, like, hellhole, which was, like, kind of a harbinger of things to come because it was just so hot. There was no water sources. Didn't have my trail legs, and it was tough going. So it's 6.30 p.m. It is the end of day one. I went 15 miles today. That 50-pound pack would eat into my shoulders and stuff every once in a while, so I would stop periodically, but it wasn't too bad, although I did run out of water for a couple of hours between Chicken Spring Lake and where I got water, where there weren't many options. And I am sleeping next to this really awesome river that I have to cross in the morning. Uh, there was a fire that I saw in the distance, and I couldn't tell, because I'm no expert, whether it's a prescribed burn, which is what I hope it is, or whether it's a wildfire. So hopefully it does not turn into a problem later. My knee seems to be doing pretty well. I haven't had any knee pain today, so that's good. And the altitude hasn't been bothering me too much. Sometimes I get a little short of breath, and sometimes I feel like I'm getting a little bit of a sinus headache, but it goes away pretty quickly. Tomorrow, I'm trying to get to Guitar Lake, which is on the way up Mount Whitney, so hopefully, be summoning Whitney on day three. But yeah, so far, good day. Hopefully, more good days in the future. My name is Pamela Zulalian. So the first day is a pretty tough day because you start off in Happy Isle at 4,000 feet. And I got to trail camp, which is 7,200 feet. And it was quite a day because you got a full pack. You were doing over 3,000 feet of vertical gain. But you're packing that in in quite a short distance. That's no small feat for first day on the trail. So I get to trail camp. There were a few other um, hikers that I'd met in a backpackers camp the night before. And one of them was from Scotland and we became quite good mates on the trail and he said oh I'm gonna go back down and I'm gonna go ahead and do half dome tonight and I thought you know what I'm gonna join you I'll do it tonight as well so we ended up setting up camp and you know got there about three o'clock and then hiked back down to half dome and I have to say this was probably one of my best first day decisions by the time we got to half dome it was a little bit after five nobody was there but us so we literally were able to climb the cables uninterrupted get up to the top and have an uninterrupted view with no one else but us. First day, sun setting, seeing all of Yosemite Valley from the Half Dome area. The views are spectacular. You can really just see the wonder of what makes Yosemite Valley so absolutely incredible. The John Muir Trail, frequently referred to as the JMT, runs throughout the Sierra Nevada range in Central California. Depending on what source you look at, it may be referred to as 211 miles, 213 miles, 220 miles. Regardless, everyone is in agreement that it spans from Happy Isles in Yosemite National Park all the way down to the summit of Mount Whitney, the highest point in the lower 48 contiguous states. 
And you may have noticed I said the summit of Mount Whitney, which of course means there is either a hike into Whitney to start or a hike out of Whitney to complete the trail. So for anyone embarking on the trail who intends to complete it all in one go, their mileage will be somewhere above and beyond 220 miles. Classically, the John Muir Trail starts at Mount Whitney and heads north to the Yosemite Valley. But it has become extremely popular to travel southbound, starting in Yosemite and ending at Mount Whitney. I traveled northbound, but others in this episode headed southbound. But yes, my trip began northbound from Cottonwood Pass as I made my way for 26 days towards Happy Isles in Yosemite National Park. I'm Lee Trebitich. It all started with uh, 2015. My wife and I climbed Mount Whitney and I proposed to her on top of Mount Whitney. We saw a lot of people coming up from the other side of Trailcrest, summoning Mount Whitney. And, you know, we talked to them where they're coming from. They were saying they were hiking the trail. So immediately that sparked the interest. And she said that day, she said, I want to do that for my honeymoon. Five days in, we stopped calling it the honeymoon because it was uh, some work. I came through this enormous, picturesque talus field through this forest. You see these awe-inspiring, immense mountains and these sheer drop-offs. And as you make your way through the talus field, you're heading down to this beautiful meadow, green, lush trees, and then just these towering mountains ahead and behind. Everything from the time I started approaching Crabtree Meadow till now, it is amazingly beautiful and just huge. Oh, that's a big-ass marmot. Hey there, buddy. (laughs) That marmot is so fat. I hope he doesn't eat all my stuff tomorrow. (sighs) Yeah, it's been a long day. I'm only going 10 miles today, but it's taken me eight hours, nine hours. Day two is usually my worst day, roughest day. It has been rough, but it's still been an awesome day. And if you could see what I'm looking at right now, like the only way I can see something that isn't ridiculously impressive is to close my eyes. Every direction is just fucking amazing. There was this kid, a little younger than me. He looked like he was hurting. It was climbing up to Guitar Lake. I was like, dude, you need some water. You don't look so good or so. He just like looked at me stone cold like and was like, I just hiked the entire John Muir Trail. It's just like, oh shit, what am I getting myself into? All right, it's day three, 2.54 p.m. I am hanging out at Guitar Lake. I got up at five this morning, packed up the stuff I needed to into a day pack, left everything else here, hoping that marmots wouldn't destroy it. Thankfully, they did not, because I was worried about that all day. And then did the hike up Whitney, four and a half miles, about 3,000 feet of gain. It wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it might be, but the altitude was certainly getting to me. I was feeling really sluggish for a large part of the day. I got about 15 minutes from the summit and then just stopped and ate as much food as I could because I was getting really hungry. And then went up to the top, and once I got up to the top, then I felt great. Hung out up there for about an hour and then hiked down. It was great hiking up in the morning because the sun was on the other side of the mountain. So if anything, it was pretty cold at times and I would have to alternate between having a jacket or not. But the hike down sucked because it was 11 o'clock when I started hiking down. Sun was high in the sky. Everything was in the sun. Now I'm chilling at Guitar Lake where I slept last night, hiding behind the boulder I slept behind to stay out of the sun. Last night I was camping next to a mother and her 12-year-old daughter who 30 days into the JMT, and this is where they end, is here at Whitney. So they're finishing up tomorrow, and they seem super excited. I'm getting ready to hike to Crabtree. 
I'm really not looking forward to putting this big heavy ass pack on. Uh, but the good news is everything's mostly downhill and I'm about to walk through some amazingly gorgeous stuff that I walked through yesterday. One of my favorite moments was definitely the night we stayed at Guitar Lake. It was such a clear night, and I remember I was just freaking exhausted. So I set up my tent, had dinner, and just laid down on a rock that was still really warm. It went from a beautiful sunset just down to the first stars appearing. I just stayed there for three hours, seeing the whole day go from sunset all the way down to beautiful sky right next to Mount Whitney with the Milky Way and everything. We just don't notice that because, boy, that would have taken too much time in my real life, right? So it's the morning of day four. It's 9.47 a.m. I'm getting a late start out of camp, which is great. Yesterday was the big tough Whitney day. Set up camp over at Crabtree, which is a great little area. Camped with this guy Reed I've been meeting up with and hiking with and hanging out with periodically along the way. Got a good nine hours of sleep. Took a nice slow morning. Doing a short day today. Only gonna be about nine miles. Preparing for tomorrow. I have to go over Forester Pass, which is a thousand feet lower than Whitney, but I gotta go over that thing with my full pack. Still have too much food. Finally, it all fits in my bear canister just barely. I think I'm gonna have to find ways to get rid of some of that stuff. I also just realized I'm not gonna eat all the grits I brought. Tried to eat them this morning. I don't have butter. They're gross. These long backpacking trips, I mean, it's basically a lot of minutia. A lot of things that are more interesting when you're doing them than they probably sound. The little things in the morning, like hiking down to a creek to get a bucket full of water. Those are nice moments. Sun will be breaking through the trees. You'll just be down there, dumping a bucket into a nice little roaring creek. So you can go up and pump some water and make yourself some breakfast. Little things like that are great on the trail. and seem kind of boring and mundane in real life or everyday life. It's day five. I'm hiking up to Forrester Pass. Got started about an hour and a half ago. Yesterday, ended up forming a little hiker group. So I've got a group of hiker buddies now that I'm hiking with. We all camped together last night and we're all hiking together this morning as we go up Forrester, which is one of the tougher passes we have to go through. Got a trail name last night. They named me Grits, True Grits. So he had this big bag of grits and he was always trying to get them away. So he came up with the name Grits and we added a True Grits in front of it because of the awesome hat he wore. Uh, it's going really well. I'm glad I ran into some cool people. It's uh, making the hiking easier, making camp more enjoyable, and it's all around been going pretty well. So we're halfway up Forrester. It's comfortable, early morning, good light, good breezes. It'll be downhill for six or seven miles after that. Hopefully it won't be too bad. My name is Cindy Wyatt, and I live in the Los Angeles area. I hiked the John Muir Trail in August 2018. Okay, so I'm a really positive person. So it was surprising in me that I started to have a really negative relationship with the passes. Actually, just saying the word just makes me cringe and hurt a little. <laughs> 
your friend is so far ahead of you, you don't see anybody, you're yelling into the wind, or it's coming down and all the rocks are loose and your ankles are hurting and your knees and your back. So everything hurts and then there's just another pass the next day or sometimes, lucky us, we're gonna conquer two passes today to get the best campsite on the other side. So I had to really adjust my attitude because it was getting out of hand. I just meditated a little bit. I was like, this is going to be the best day ever. You're going to have such a great day today. That day was Ray's Lake, which I have wanted to go to forever. It was truly the best day. And and I conquered that pass that day really strong. Actually, the people at the top commented on how happy I looked. But yeah, it's hard. We stayed at Bump's Creek last night, which is this really cool spot. Nice flowing creek. Breaks up into little islands. Yesterday, Forrester Pass went really well. It was the day I was concerned about. We had to go up so high and I felt super strong. Everybody felt really good yesterday. The day I was dreading turned out to be a really great day. <laughs> Oddly enough, met some people coming down from Forrester Pass. Guy made a great Poupon joke, turned into a conversation. And sure enough, I was able to get rid of my grits finally and a whole bunch of my extra food, which made me super happy and made the guy who was low on food super happy. So that was a highlight of the day. Continuing the hike with the same three people and occasionally a couple other people. Reed, who I've been seeing since night one, gave him a trail name yesterday. He's Shepherd's Pie now because the night before spilled all the Shepherd's Pie into his bear canister and we're headed to Kearsarge Pass, which is not part of the JMT, but is a side trail that will take us to Onion Valley where I can grab my resupply and camp for the night and all of those guys have to get into independence. They're gonna get a hotel, resupply. Uh, Megan's been having some foot blister problems, so she's gonna try to treat those, and then they're gonna come back on the trail. So after today, I'll probably be traveling alone for a couple days, and then we'll see if they catch up to me. But yeah, that's my day. Walking, spectacular views, shitting in holes, giving people food and eating as much food as I can. And Jesus Christ, man, Bub's Creek is so fucking awesome. It isn't really possible to carry 26 days of food on your back. So trails like the John Muir Trail and longer trails like the PCT require a number of resupplies. And these typically need to be worked out beforehand. This can be approached a number of ways. You can exit the trail, head into a town and purchase the food that you need. Or you can prepare your food ahead of time and ship it to a variety of places. That may be something like a post office in a nearby town or it may mean shipping your food into the backcountry to a number of locations willing to help JMT hikers with their resupplies. The southern half of the JMT has far fewer opportunities for resupply, and it is more difficult to get off the trail and to civilization. So in my case, my one resupply was in Onion Valley over Kearsarge Pass. Some would choose to hitchhike into town, down the mountainside, and into Independence, where they could purchase food or pick up their resupply at the post office. I headed up ahead of time and left a resupply in a bear locker at the trailhead in Onion Valley. 
The northern half of the trail has a lot more opportunities to get off the trail and other businesses offering resupply options. MTR, Muir Trail Ranch. This is just off the JMT in the backcountry, and that is where I did my second resupply. Last resupply was in Tuolumne Meadows in Yosemite National Park, where my fiance Erica met me for the final week of the trail. And she brought in my resupply, food for herself, and joined me on the rest of the hike. You know, it was hard, but not not that bad. Once you got your trail legs, it was pretty good. It was definitely more difficult to get in and out of than on the AT. The AT, it was easy to just kind of like hop off the trail or, you know, sometimes you would even walk right through a town. Whereas when you're back in the Sierras, it was your back there. So it is day seven, 6.09 a.m. I am hiking alone again. Yesterday started out as a great day. We're having a good time. Stopped at this cool lake called Bullfrog Lake. The water felt awesome. We're swimming in it, playing around, and things were going well. We did the hard hike up Kearsarge, celebrated on the top. Then it was supposed to be just downhill, and we were in the sun, and it seemed to go on forever, and it was kind of miserable. We got down to Onion Valley way later than we expected to. Everybody else hitchhiked into town. I stayed at Onion Valley, met these two guys who I shared a campsite with. Got up a little after five, used the vault toilet since that's probably the last toilet I'll see for a long time. Now I'm heading back up here, Sarge. It's really fucking beautiful where I am right now, but thus far this has not been one of my preferred passes. I'm getting a really early start. The sun is barely peeking out. I do not want to get baked going up this thing again. It's funny. Forrester Pass, which was supposed to be the big, hard pass which we did the day before, it turned out to be such a good day. I felt so strong. I could have kept hiking for hours after all of that. And then yesterday, and I just was exhausted when I got to camp. Took off my pack and my shoes, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to move again. Had to just sit there for about 10 minutes before I got my strength back. But I'm about to kick on some music, podcasts, whatever, to help keep me company and soldier up this thing and try to get back on the John Muir Trail. This is hopefully the last time I have to do a big backtrack. It's funny, I've now done something like 67, 68 miles, maybe more, 76, I don't know, somewhere, I have it listed somewhere. Not even 30 of those are actual JMT miles. So I still got about 180 JMT miles to do, so I'm looking forward to getting back on the proper trail. This is the beginning of day seven, and officially, at the end of this day, this will be the longest I've ever backpacked. So, seventh day in, pretty happy about that. The pack is heavy as fuck again, because I did my resupply, I gave away some of the food, but it didn't feel as bad going on as I thought it might. When I put it on, there's this little thing that happens where you know you're hiking, pack goes on, you start moving. I'm making my way up Glen Pass. It's been a long day, but it's been pretty good overall. I'm doing two passes today. Oh yeah, starting up Kearsarge. That was a rough part of the day. Then after that, wasn't so bad. Had a nice lunch. Had this cool little moment this morning with a doe. And I was looking at how the light, the morning light was hitting everything as I was going up Kearsarge and the doe was not far from me. She just stared at me. Decided I wasn't a threat. Moved around, would periodically look back over at me. Just pumped some water, almost up Glen Pass. It's pretty barren up here, a lot of granite. And then they need these like seasonal ponds from snow melt that are pretty, one of them's really blue. But I'm back on the JMT now and uh, things are going all right. Although it is definitely a little harder now 
that I have 50 plus pounds again, but I ate a shit ton of food for lunch, so I have a feeling I'll probably be eating a lot of food moving forward. I last recorded when I was stopping to filter water. I noticed the wind had picked up, but I wasn't noticing all the clouds that were forming. And as I made my way up Glen Pass, they were forming very quickly. Thankfully, I'm now on the other side. I felt a few little light bits of drizzle, but there's definitely a lot of clouds in the sky, and all the darkest ones are directly above Glen Pass. They recommend you don't start passes in the afternoon for exactly the reason this one kind of worried me, because that's when the thunderstorms come, and that's when the clouds form, and the clouds can form quickly, and they certainly did. Even on the toughest days, you know, the trail just kind of lifts you up or, you know, when you feel like you're having this emotional moment, which I had, you know, a few of them when you're out on the trail, you know, there are scary things that happen in the form of lightning and thunder and storms. And I definitely had a few days of like heavy crying and heavy tears, but it didn't stop me. And it certainly wasn't a disappointment. It just reminded me that I could do this and, you know, that I was the person here by my side was me and I could lift myself up when I needed to. Day eight, 9.42 a.m. I am still here at Ray Lakes where I spent the night. Got here, got a little confused. Ended up hiking up the wrong trail for a bit. Backtracked, crossed the quote-unquote stream, which is really just a channel between big rocks. Taking half a day here, I've been swimming in the cold-ass lake, which feels really good. Kind of helps your muscles. Kind of feels like a shock at first and a little too cold, but also kind of feels really good. Right now I feel super clean. Clean underwear on that I haven't put on at all yet on the trip. I just put them on. Probably the cleanest I felt other than Bullfrog Lake. Cleaning my clothes as much as you can with hand sanitizer and water. Basically what I do is I put a uh, lake water in my bucket, pour some hand sanitizer in it, rub them around for a bit, and the water is definitely very nasty and brown when I pour it out. So I've got stuff drying in the sun, got a little clothesline set up, been reading Red Badge of Courage, I'm almost done, second book on the trip. Granted, both of them have been very short books. Got stuff charging with my solar panels, and I am feeling great. So it's still day eight, or technically night eight. I am at Woods Creek as planned, which was about six and a half miles away. I am camped next to a loud river that you can probably hear, really cool, and a suspension bridge. The suspension bridge I mentioned is right next to me. It's maybe 15, 20 feet away from my tent. The hike over here was pretty nice. I stayed in Ray Lakes till about 1.30, 1 o'clock, something like that. It was very difficult to make myself leave. Met two older hikers that are doing the Ray Lakes route loop. Talked to them for a while. They were very nice, very interested in discussing all the different logistics of doing this trip. We even got shushed by some woman in her tent who chose to set her tent right next to the communal fire pit area and decided 7.50 or whatever before the sun was even out of the sky. It was too late for people to be talking. So now I am in my tent, reviewing the map for tomorrow, getting ready for tomorrow, charging stuff, and probably heading to bed pretty soon. 8.44 p.m., so you know, pretty late by hiker time. I'm 
hiking along Woods Creek this morning, which is a really cool white watery creek. Lots of waterfalls, natural water slides, which it was too cold to get in. Try them and potentially dangerous for some of them. Now I'm hiking up to Pincho Pass, which is not even close to the highest pass I need to go over, but coming from this side, it is going to be some of the most elevation gain. I slept super awesome last night. Didn't put my rain fly on. It was really comfortable. Slept so well, so hard, that when I woke up, I was disoriented for a minute and then remembered that I was camping and hiking a trail. Trying to stop and eat, but mosquitoes around this area just eat you up if you stop for more than a minute. So I've been doing a lot of walking, eating. Gonna start going for Pincho Pass. Then go down the other side to Marjorie Lake, which is reported to be the bluest lake anyone has ever seen. You're carrying seven days worth of food and gear on your back and you're hiking all day and you're seeing waterfall after lake, after meadow, gorgeous views. The end of the day, your campsite is at this beautiful alpine lake. You just surrender yourself to this lake and jump in and no one else is around. You know, this was just for you. This sunset swim, camping beside this lake is all for you. And the peace and the empowerment that it gives is like no other. World's coming alive over here as the sun peaks over the mountains. Saw a chipmunk chasing another chipmunk squeaking. Uh, yesterday, Pincho Pass wasn't too bad. It was a little bit of a slog. It was just long. Took it nice and easy and slow yesterday. Just down the other side, there are these beautiful glacial lakes where you can still see snow melting down into them. The snow melt is just pouring into them. I stayed at one called Lake Marjorie. Probably the bluest, clearest water I've seen in a long time, if not ever. It's the first one down there. No one was there, so took a nude swim. It was freezing cold, but also felt awesome at the same time. And it also felt kind of nice not to have any clothes on. I realized after that it had been over a week since I wasn't wearing any clothes at all at any point. Uh, just kind of weird to think you go so long and you're never naked at all. And maybe changing some articles of clothing, but never just naked. Really nice area. There's this one spot I wanted to hike back to it, but I don't think I'm going, well, clearly I'm not going to, but it almost looked like a Caribbean atoll, blue and aquamarine water, fairly shallow parts. I like to think of it as the frigid Caribbean. Just did the Kings River crossing. Definitely the biggest one yet. A little sketchy at parts, not too bad though. But I did manage to slip and bang my left shin and knee. They're bleeding a little bit, but nothing too bad. Forgot to mention last night, while I was sleeping at that awesome lake, didn't put my tent fly on so I could just lay there. And as I was looking at the stars, saw the biggest meteor I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen some pretty impressive meteors that look like colorful spears of light crash across the sky, but this one was the biggest. This big white band flying at a pretty fast speed, but slow enough that it was really tracing across the sky for a bit. So big that I kind of got concerned that maybe something was gonna fall out of the sky. And then after it crossed a large portion of the sky, it burst into pieces, and that was the end of that meteor.
you know, you end up at these designated campsites along the trail. So you kind of seeing familiar faces. And this was literally the first night where I was on my own. So when I had heard that there was a bear up at Virginia Lake, that was kind of troublesome. I'm kind of bear aware. I'm like, you know, heightened. And that night I slept with my headlamp on. So just in case I had to scare that bear away, I could turn the light on, blow my harmonica and scare the bear away because I'm a terrible harmonica player. So I figured that was to my advantage to frightening the bear away. What I did that night is I put my cup on top of my bear canister so I thought if the bear comes and starts messing with it I'll hear the cup knock over I was asleep at this point and I start hearing my cup rattle and I'm like oh good god the bear is back you know this sounds easier when you're with a group and you can have your trail friends kind of jump out together and you can kind of do it in a group effort but I'm by myself now really just totally kind of like having this moment of like good God, I know I need to do this. I don't want to lose my food. I don't have a resupply for another four days. So I really need my bear not to roll my bear canister away. And I need to protect my food. Like, you know, obviously I, you know, can't go on the trail for four days without food. So I'm hearing the, the cup rattle and I'm like, you know, I'm reaching in the head of my pocket and I grab my harmonica and I, you know, kind of secure my headlamp a little further onto my, onto my head. And then I'm, quietly unzipping my sleeping bag and I'm sneaking out of my sleeping bag trying to have a surprise attack on this bear and I unzip my tent and I jump out and I turn my headlamp on and I blow my harmonica as wildly as I could and I look and it was the wind that was causing my cup to go back and forth. So in fact, there was no bear. He, he was kind of funny looking back because I was so scared and I sat in my tent for several minutes kind of talking myself through the process like, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Pretty fucking cold this morning, not like crazy cold, but just cold enough that I didn't want to move. I am camped down near the water in between the two Palisade Lakes at a spot that a ranger yesterday recommended I come down to. He said, if you want to get some solitude and not be in all the popular campsites, go off trail in between the two lakes. And he was correct. I have not seen a single person. As a matter of fact, it was the first night I camped in complete solitude. Yesterday, came over Mather Pass. It's not too bad, just long like a lot of them, just slow and steady, moving slowly. I've gotten over, I really like to stop a lot and look at things for a while, watch things, watched the caterpillar yesterday for a little while, saw a couple pika yesterday, came across deer several times. Even though I have a lot of time to spend out here, I've got a lot of ground to cover. So sometimes I don't get to swim in lakes I want to swim in or explore things I'd love to explore. In a lot of ways, it's like a big reconnaissance mission. I'm finding out which spots I want to return to. I ended up going 13 miles today. I think after 11 days, I finally figured out a way that I might be able to tighten the waist belt on my pack, which will be a huge change for me because then that means I will spend less of the day fighting the pack sliding down my hip and having to deal with shoulder pain all the time because the pack ends up pulling down on my shoulder so much. Uh, where I've been traveling through today was a lot of forest stuff, a lot of really awesome views of the Kings River, just cascading waterfalls after cascading waterfalls and some super strong flow in some areas and delicate flow elsewhere. Cool section, reminds me a lot of Yosemite. Uh, one of my trekking poles wasn't tightening this morning. I was afraid it was broken, then suddenly started working, so that's good news. Got the solar panels on my back to try to charge a battery, which is at about half power now. 
which would still last several days, but I like to keep it charged just in case. Kept running in a deer yesterday, and that hasn't changed this morning. I got a message on the in-reach from Erica right before I left camp that said something to the effect of like, oh, glad you're seeing things that you like. And then almost immediately after I read that message, a doe and two fawns come up into camp looking for food. But on day one, I met this guy at Chicken Spring Lake when I was four miles in, which seems like ages ago. And he had done the JMT going northbound before, and he said, oh, there's a point where I regretted every time I went below 11,000 feet because it just felt heavy and hot. And I'm starting to really understand what he meant. just had probably the most weirdly emotional moment I've ever had doing one of these things. I was hiking up Muir Pass. This lake was below me. I'm surrounded by these granite cliffs on all sides and waterfalls are pouring down. And my favorite first aid kit song, Dance to Another Tune, came on, which I always feel like I really identify with. I think it's a beautiful song. It has some haunting melodies. And then it's kind of this mix of dealing with pessimism and becoming your best self and leading a life you want to lead. Those are things I always battle with. Something to do with that song, those melodies, what was around me, identifying with what it says, feeling like I'm always striving for that and always failing, and then somewhat feeling trapped in my professional life right now. And I just started crying and crying. And then I just sat on a rock and stared down at that lake and then just waited for the song to end. And uh, now that's done. That was 10, 15 minutes ago. So uh, it's oddly cathartic. Kind of felt good. And uh, I'm going to continue up Muir Pass. I just went into it like it's going to be whatever it's going to be. And the reality of it was far better than I think anything I could have ever had planned on it or any expectation I could have had. It, you know, it's, it's so hard to put into words and it's so hard to share. And I know there is trail magic and it's so real and the people you meet on the trail, you don't forget. And that's so true. And, you know, those tough moments that bring tears, well, you know, those are deep emotional moments that you don't forget. And, you know, you kind of hang on to that and, you know, it's just such an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, expect it to be hard. It's one fucking hard trail. Like, there's no joke about it. You know, you're going up and over passes that are 10,000 feet, that are 14,000 feet. You've, you know, you've got a bunch of passes that are no joke. It is worth every blister you may get. All the blood, sweat, and tears, training, heavy pack days, light pack days, crazy days, rainy storm days, swimming naked in a lake days. Like, they're just it's just it's unbelievable it's worth it's worth it this is another night where I will be camping all by myself there is no one anywhere near me I am close to the trail and close to tons of horse and mule shit coming down from near pass who was exposed for a long time. I spent a lot of time today hiking in the sun, which was tiring and probably not great for my skin, but good for my solar panels that were charging my backup battery. 
I got to Evolution Lakes, which everyone loves. They are pretty. Stopped and talked to this guy who was taking a zero. Hadn't been hiking because suddenly he was having these ankle problems. And he was telling me there were some nice sights up the ways with a waterfall. But misunderstood, he meant go up a side path and ended up continuing down the JMT path. So now I'm back in the woods. And I set up camp when I finally was able to find a place where I could. I needed water and I walked over to where I could hear water coming from and it turned out it was this awesome little grotto with maybe a dozen separate little waterfalls and tiers just cascading down these rocks. These were probably the most fucking mosquitoes I've dealt with yet. Usually the mosquitoes don't bother me that much, but Jesus Christ, they were driving me crazy while I was trying to eat dinner. But anyway, now I'm in the tent. It's 8 p.m. I still gotta get my bed ready. I looked at the map for tomorrow. I might be able to make it to MTR to get my resupply, which means I also have minestrone soup and some chili waiting for me and some cans that I intend to eat as soon as I get there. So hopefully that'll be my dinner tomorrow, but we shall see. Headed towards MTR so I can do my resupply today. I'm both looking forward to it and not. My pack is as light as it's ever gonna be. And I get to mostly hike downhill for probably 13 miles today, which is great. But then I have to shove seven or eight days of food into my pack again. And then I immediately have to go up Selden Pass after that. So that part I'm not looking forward to, but I am looking forward to popping open a can of chili and the can of minestrone soup I've got waiting for me there. So I can get some non-dehydrated or non-packaged or non-whatever the hell I've been eating for the last two weeks almost. I already had my requisite morning encounter with does and fawns grazing. It just seems that's going to be an everyday event now. I'll come across a group of those every afternoon and every morning. The clouds are building really early today. It hasn't rained at all on me so far. Clouds are building early. The sky is almost entirely clouds. My side, they look pretty innocuous. The other side, they're looking increasingly gray, especially over the mountain passes. All right, it's still day 13, 6.40 p.m. I am still hiking, done about 15 miles. I'm getting a tiny bit of drizzle, but not much. Evolution Creek, Evolution River, whatever they call it, it's pretty spectacular. Walk along it a lot of the times and it's just this beautiful little white water creek and there are all these cool bridges that went over it. There's a little eddy, really nice blue-green, pretty eddy in one spot. I got in there, and good God, it felt good to get in water again for the first time in a few days. And I just felt so refreshed for probably an hour or two, maybe more. And when I got to MTR, they were nice to me. They had my stuff. I uh, scored some Snickers and some Sour Patch Kids from the buckets there, so that was pretty fucking rad. That made me pretty happy. Ate my chili and my soup, but cold, because they don't let you cook anything there, and I didn't want to hike out, cook it, and bring the trash back. My stomach's been a little weird, so I took a, uh, an antibiotic I have prematurely, just in case. I don't really think it's anything, but just to make sure I don't want to be fighting with any of that stuff. Uh, I've got almost 50 pounds again, and the hike up to Selden is pretty steep and long. I'm starting as much of it as I can tonight because there's 50% chance of thunderstorms after 10 a.m. tomorrow, and I don't want to be on top of that pass if and when that happens.
It's day 14, 10.38 a.m. I'm about four hours in. I am coming down the other side of Selden Pass. But this was pretty good pass. Really long switchbacks at the beginning, but they're all super green and pretty. Came across a deer popping its head <laughs> out of the foliage last night as the sun was setting. Then it's really reasonable from that point forward. Passed by Sally Keys Lakes, Hart Lakes, lots of pretty lakes. And then you hit some switchbacks again at the end, but it's only like six, seven hundred feet of them. It's not nearly as bad as the other passes. Then you get to the top and you see this really nice view of this Marie Lake that I'm walking towards right now that hopefully I'll go take a dip in. There's barely a single cloud in the sky. So that rain that was forecast really did come. Now it's not raining anymore, but ever since about one o'clock, it was drizzling and thunder, and I went up Selden this morning, which is a pass, and then what I thought was just a small little bump in the middle it's turned out to be a considerable pass of its own because it's pretty rough. You gotta go up a fair amount either side and down a fair amount, and it's steep, and it'll definitely kill your knees like it's killing mine. Uh, going across the top, thankfully there's trees and forest everywhere because there was constant thunder. You don't want to be at a high point in a Sierra thunderstorm. We were way more likely to get struck by lightning. So I would occasionally jog through the open spaces as quickly as I could to get to the next batch of trees. Almost down these switchbacks to the creek where I can camp. There's supposed to be a bridge. When I go over that bridge in the morning, don't have to walk very far and then I can catch the ferry to VVR unless it's raining and lightning and thunder in the morning, which hopefully it won't be because then they don't run that ferry. And that means I'll have to hike six miles to VVR, which I really hope I don't have to do. I'm really looking forward to getting up throwing my pack on a boat and then just taking it easy for a day showering and eating and drinking and washing clothes and charging things and hanging out and laughing and having no responsibilities or no big responsibilities for a day but when i get down to this camp before i do anything else i'm gonna make a big fucking plastic bag full of chili mac and i'm gonna eat that shit and i'm gonna be so happy because all i want to do right now is eat food but i still got about a mile mile and a half before i get to this campground and get off this godforsaken unnamed pass just steep as fuck i just want to point out early in this trip i met someone who said i think a ranger told him that if the clouds don't gather by 9 a.m you don't have to worry about thunderstorms well the clouds were not gathered at 9 a.m i was on top of selden at 10 and when i hit bear creek around one o'clock that's when all the clouds are starting to gather and by a little after that the whole fucking sky was gray and there was thunder from all directions and me and a bunch of other dumbass people were hiking up to 10,000 feet over this fucking never-ending unnamed pass start of this day was good Whew. i'm worn out though but anyway i'm rambling that's enough for now i just need something to keep my mind off the fact that i'm going down these fucking switchbacks still i will be at camp soon eating chili mac being super happy I was pooped last night. I slept till about 6.30, passed out a little after 9. I was tired. <clears throat> I'm on my way to Big Rock Candy Mountain, a.k.a. Hiker Heaven, a.k.a. VVR, Vermilion Valley Resort. 
just looking at my past mileage, I went from 12 to 13 to 14 to 16 to 18 miles in succession. So I'm really looking forward to an easy, relaxing day. I'll sit back and just devour as much food as my body will allow. One thing that never ceased to amaze me was the kindness of strangers. Every time I'd pass a big group, they would always be like, oh, we totally overpacked. Have this chocolate bar. Oh my gosh, come and join us You know, at our campfire. We have extra food. Please enjoy it. Shared conversation, a little bit of whiskey, uh, hiker barrels at all the resupplies at Reds, at Vermilion, at camp. I mean, it, it never ceased to amaze me just how much kindness just kind of poured itself onto the trail. So I've really kind of taken that and carried that through, that kind of trail magic or kindness into my everyday life because I think it's so important that we connect with everyone else around us, even within the city environment. So it's the morning of day 16, 10.09 a.m. I'm still at BBR, chilling. Uh, yesterday was a, was a fun day. Uh, met some new people, got to hang out with some people I'd met along the trail, ate a lot of food, drank some beers, chilled around a campfire, told stories, laughed a whole bunch, so... So, good time. Got to bed pretty late, slept in. Storm rolled in this morning. I delayed the boat leaving. It's kind of sad seeing everybody off. Some of them I'll probably catch up to again on the trail, but some of them I probably won't see again, or some people are going southbound, so I definitely won't see them again. Day 16, 8.38 p.m. A pretty chill day at VVR. It was gloomy and occasionally rainy. A lot of people didn't come in this morning. I still hadn't seen my buddies from early in the trip, uh, Reed and Lee and Megan. And I wrote a note letting them know I'd been there. I was leave I had left at 4 o'clock and that maybe they could try to catch me later on. I went to the front door to open the door to go pin it outside the door. And standing in front of me was Lee. And I said, hey, I wrote you a letter and I handed it to him. We had dined over a bag of gummy bears that you got me hooked on via the trail. It was good to see you. It was almost a, a relieving moment. Even though we only saw you for a little bit, we still got to like kind of link up and know that you were still out there and, and you were doing okay. Only hiked about three and a half miles or so getting a start on Silver Pass which is kind of the last big elevation change. I stopped and camped at this campground and met some people who were two days in. They just started out of Mammoth and they unluckily started on the day of the big rain and so they've had nothing but rain. Even though I was only at VVR for like a day and a half I feel like I've been there for a week. I feel like I haven't been on the trail in a long time. Like, it's a little lonely tonight. There were so many people hanging out last night, and now it's just me in my tent again. The uh, running gag and kind of like long-term saying is that it never rains at night in the Sierra Nevada. Twice 
I awoke because just suddenly it sounded like someone had walked up to my tent with a water hose on full blast and just started spraying it down and then stopped a few minutes later. So I got a little bit of a later start because I was hoping the sun would dry out my stuff a little bit. But when I got up, the sky was covered in clouds. Hi, my name's Phil Westmoreland, and I wanted to leave a message about my experience on the John Muir Trail. It was an experience I just could not imagine. I had never thought that it would be such a mentally challenging, which turned into a very personal growth, interpersonal uh, relationships with other people uh, that I've met on the trail, uh, people I've hiked with. Now I'm planning on doing another hike that you had recommended, Jason, which was the West Coast Trail. And I'm also now starting to look at uh, doing the Pacific Crest Trail in 2021. John Muir Trail was such an experience of the bonds that were created with other people. The more I've learned about other people and myself, just never imagined that it was going to be like this. Started off as just going to be a journey of hiking one end of the trail to another, but really turned out to be the adventure of a lifetime and extremely rewarding. Day 18, 10.47 a.m., Last night I stayed at Lake Virginia, which turned out to be a pretty cold night. It's the first morning this morning that I ever woke up and there was mist on the lake and heavy condensation. Like everyone who camped in the area, its tents were just drenched. So most people got a late start this morning drying out their stuff. Some people even got water in their tents and got their sleeping bags and things wet. Scott Merrill and I were planning to meet Jason on his journey through the GMT and we planned this for a couple weeks and we were able to track him as he was putting up waypoints along a map. And what we kind of decided on was that one weekend we could find him at Duck Lake, get in there and we could park at Mammoth Lakes, we could hike in with him, camp with him, resupply him, you know, pack in some heavier stuff that he might not be able to carry and also reward him with some things that, that he, he hadn't had, he'd been deprived of. I think I showed up at Scott's place at five or six. I think maybe we got dinner or something like that. And then we checked where Jason was at that point. Around that time, we realized that Jason was going to advance even further. So if we drove up the next morning, this isn't going to work. So we, we had to leave that evening and get there probably about one-ish, 2 a.m., something like that. Get up at five, six, something like that and just get a move on. A hike in was, was really pretty. I was surprised that Mammoth Lakes is so accessible. And I'm carrying some extra gear, uh, thinking that I'm, you know, I'm helping Jason out and that I'm not going to have to hike that far. But I start having boot problems probably within a mile or two, and, and it's twisting my ankle. But my one piece of solace is, well, we're just meeting him, and I'm going to basically transfer a lot of this weight, or we're going to eat it. About three and a half miles in, chilling by the Duck Lake Trail intersection. Scott and Ryan are supposed to come meet me and hike along the trail for a bit for the weekend. I'm not too far from Mammoth so they can get in and out of Mammoth relatively easily. I had expected this disheveled hobo and instead he is smiling, he's happy, he's got a little bit of stubble but honestly I have never seen the dude look better. 
I hiked less than five miles to find him, and I'm in worse shape than he is. And I couldn't stop complimenting him on this. You know, like, my God, you look great. I thought, hey, we're just going to pitch a tent. We're going to have some food. We're just going to hang out. I really didn't expect to hike very much. And he said, guys, I got to get in 10 or 12 more miles today. You know, and I, at that point, realized my foot situation is just not going to work. I either quit right there or I figure out another way to keep moving forward. And so I had a pair of running sandals. These are basically my camp shoes. And I'm just going to hike in these. And then Scott gave me his trekking poles and I was back in business. I mean, I was pulling a rock out of my foot every 20 feet, but I could at least walk. We started hiking and Jason's just Mr. Man about town. He walked along the JMT and was saying hello to people, encouraging others that were about to quit. No, don't quit. It gets better. Just give yourself a day to rest, you know, recuperate. So, you know, we hiked a ways and then, of course, we're, we're going to pitch in for the night, get all set up, try to make a nice meal, brought in some extra food, some nice fresh stuff, tried to, tried to give the guy a good meal. But, you know, he seemed in good spirits. He really didn't seem like he needed it. Pretty much satisfied with the Spartan life that he was living. It was pretty, I really enjoyed it, and it did give me that, that whimsical feeling that someday I'd like to do this. And, and I was really glad to join Jason and to see him doing so well on the trail, to see how it, it seemed to enliven him in a way that, you know, that maybe only nature and, and that forest bathing aspect can. It's day 19, 2.05 p.m. Just left Red Meadows, where Ryan and Scott are gonna hop on the bus, get back to their car in Mammoth. They treated me to this enormous $10 boysenberry milkshake. Massive milkshakes. Scott and I are drinking these milkshakes as though we deserve them. We do not. It didn't even taste probably like it tasted for Jason, you know, who is putting it down as like a snack and it's like an 800 calorie milkshake. And they brought me all kinds of food, like salami and cheeses. And Ryan made some homemade like brownie protein bar things that are good. The dude just put everything down. I mean, you know, I gave him some Kool-Aid powder that I thought maybe would last him for a week, and that was gone in an evening. You know, the guy was just a calorie machine. Uh, yeah, now my bear canister's full again, but I've got some new food and some good stuff, some stuff I haven't had in weeks, but I definitely can feel that my pack is heavier again. That morning, Around the time that I was just starting to like open my eyes and get out, Jason's ready to go. His stuff is packed, it is ready to go, he is in shorts, it is freezing, I can't feel my fingers. This morning was uh, the coldest morning yet. Tube in my camelback froze. It's particularly cold this morning, coldest it's been out of all 19 days. So I don't know if it's gonna be a trend towards colder and colder. Word on the trail on the Hiker Express is that Tuesday night is supposed to be the coldest night. It's currently Sunday. And what I noticed a lot was that people were giving, so so giving for the trail uh, cycling bends where people would put in food or things or gear that they didn't need. And people were offering us things as we sat there. Scott and I were waiting for the bus to leave. And what we realized was that the rush that we had had the first night to get there, sleep at the trailhead, get on trail, actually ended up benefiting us because at that moment we were told that this is the last bus out. There were not going to be any future buses and we would have ended up hiking back out. It was a great trip. I was glad to join Jason. I'm glad that he got that, that part of his, his life. You know, it's kind of a, a bucket list item. Uh, so I'm headed in the direction of Gladys Lake, about to pass by Devil's Post Pile, and I'll be back into the wilderness and uh, away from civilization again for at least a couple days until I hit Tuolumne Meadows. 
but I should be 56, 57 miles from the end at this point. So it's pretty close. So I'm over 200 total miles at this point. That seems very doable. It's day 20, 2.03 p.m. I'm already at my destination for the night, probably. I'm at Thousand Islands Lake, which is this enormous lake with many, many islands. Not really a thousand, but probably like a hundred little islands in it. Hoping to go for a swim after I have some lunch. Last night, I finally arrived at camp as the sun was going down. His father and daughter were cool to let me share the site with them, so I talked to them a lot at night. They're going southbound. They're really nice people. We had a lot of conversations. Ate a lot of that food I got from, from Scott and Ryan. Ate a lot of that this morning, too. And then this morning, I did a lot of hiking with this couple that's also going northbound. Spent a lot of time hiking and talking with them. Moved through the eight miles pretty quickly this morning. And now I'm at a Thousand Islands Lake, and it's time to eat. I think probably my favorite camp spot must have been McClure Meadow. Got the Primo campsite right next to the river and everything. There was all this wildlife that came out around sunset, and it was just, I got some of the best pictures. I am really excited about my campsite. So I went to Thousand Islands Lake, which is super awesome. I spent a couple hours there, had lunch, did some exploring, tried to get in the water, but it's just too windy. I'd love to be able to swim out there and swim from island to island and explore them, but it wasn't really feasible without hypothermia. And then I decided to continue on just after is Island Pass, which is the easiest pass of all for sure. There have been things in between passes that, that are drastically more difficult than Island Pass. Island Pass was very easy. And then I continued on. It's really pretty though. It's really nice. There's a bunch of ponds and lakes. And I started going down the other side. And I found this little part on the side trail where there's just this granite overlook that looks down on these two ponds. And nobody's there, and I don't think people probably camp there very often. I'm just a few feet from the edge of this granite slab that drops. It doesn't drop like vertically, but it drops at a pretty good angle. And then you can just look down into all these woods and see these two cool little ponds. Of which I'm currently hiking down slabs and climbing through stuff to try to get down to with my bucket. Because I'm hoping to fill this bucket with enough water... So that tomorrow morning, I can filter my water without having to come back down here because it is a bit of work, but I don't mind. It's cool. It's fun. I've camped at some really cool spots, but I'm really, really digging this one. I'm going to come down here and get this water, and hopefully I'm going to be able to carry it back up because it's a bit of work to get down here, and it's going to be a difference when I'm carrying like eight pounds of water up, but uh, I'll give it a try. I really loved that campsite last night. It was really great, and it ended up not being too windy. This morning, it was super cool to just walk out on that ledge where I was camping and look down at those ponds and get ready for the day. Pretty much down the other side of Island Pass and starting my way up Donahue Pass. When I get to the top of Donahue, I will officially be in Yosemite National Park. Day 21, feeling good. Been eating a lot of food. Bear canisters mostly empty packs a reasonable weight. It's nice. It's 
So I'm super overjoyed. I get up and over Silver Pass, and Silver Pass is this beautiful pass. There's a lake there. There are these giant condominium-sized boulders that makes the trees just look like the size of your pinky finger, and there's just a kind of a scattered field about with all of these boulders. And I'm standing there just kind of reveling in this view, and all of a sudden I look off in the distance and I see these three guys kind of pop up and they all have frisbees in their hand of different colors and I hear the first guy say see those two trees off in the distance that's hole number one and then he throws his first frisbee and then the second guy throws his frisbee and the third guy throws his frisbee and it turns out they're playing frisbee golf the entire time along the John Muir Trail. Day 22, 9.13 a.m. I am finally about to leave camp, getting a really late start today. It was reported that it was going to be 22 degrees last night based on what I've been hearing from various people who joining the trail. And I think that must have been accurate. It was the coldest night by far. My mouthpiece from my camelback froze up. Uh, there was frost all over my tent, there was frost all over the fields around us, and unlike other mornings when it's been cold, I had a really hard time warming up this morning and getting motivated to get moving. But once the sun came up, that of course helped immensely. Yesterday, coming down Donahue Pass was pretty nice. Once I got down there into Lyle Canyon, there was a lot of forest walking and meadow walking. It's interesting being at this part of the trail where I'm meeting people who are just starting and you see them struggling with their stuff. You see them second guessing themselves. Try to stop and talk to them every once in a while. Give some encouragement. Met some people at the campsite where I stayed last night near Ireland Lake Junction who were hiking in to do a uh, four night trip. It was four of them. And yeah, last night was their first night. So their first night got to be that 22 degree <laughs> freezing cold night. Hopefully that warms up. But uh, we shared a campsite, talked a fair amount. They shared some of their chili with me. I'm gonna carry some of their trash out. And I'm recording this, and then as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to throw that pack on, which is very light right now, comparatively, because that bear canister is almost entirely empty. And I'm going to walk the five or six miles through what is mostly flat terrain to Tuolumne Meadows, where, in theory, Erica should be waiting for me. Day 23, 10.54 a.m. We had a big breakfast this morning at Tuolumne Meadows. Got started a little after 9, 9.30, somewhere around there. Yesterday, shortly after I recorded and got moving, ran into Steve, a.k.a. Ringer, who I thought had surely left the trail on Mammoth and I would never see again. But there he was. And he introduced me to Minnie, which is this tiny Korean lady who doesn't speak much English, but is like a huge ray of sunshine that yells hello and good morning to every single person that passes and is very excited about everything, even though half the time she has no idea what anyone is saying. Also, by the time we got to Tuolumne Meadows Backpackers Camp and set up, Dave and Phil made it in, so we had a big reunion with Dave and Phil and Minnie and, and Steve slash Ringer. We all went and ate at Tuolumne Meadows. I had double cheeseburger, chili hot dog, and a huge ice cream cone. About 2,500 calories. It was great, because I have been starving. And we all hung out, had a good time, 
drank some beers, went to a little campfire talk right next to the backpackers camp last night. Erica met me uh, right when I got into Tuolumne Meadows. So everybody had a cool reunion. We all had breakfast again this morning together. Now Eric and I have set out and we are headed towards Cathedral Lakes. My JMT hike started and ended with me telling Jason he stinks and watching him devour a ton of food in one sitting. Since I was only on trail with him for a few days, my actual memorable moment is me burning up while hiking uphill, stripping out of my fleece-lined leggings in the middle of the trail while hearing a group of hikers quickly approaching. After what felt like heart-pumping minutes later, I had managed to peel off my leggings and hop into my hiking pants before exposing myself or losing my balance or tipping over. If I wasn't already sweating before, I sure was now. Day 23, 5.56 p.m. We've set up camp at the Sunrise High Sierra Camp backpackers area. There's like this big camp built there. It's pretty much shut down. I ran ahead a quarter mile, maybe half mile, to see if I could find water. There's a little trickly stream up here where there's water because it's been dry for miles at this point. <laughs> Everybody in the area is kind of running out of water and a little concerned about water. So we went about 10 miles today. It's Erica's first day on the trail, so she hasn't quite gotten her legs under her, and I think those 10 miles kicked her butt. I'm feeling great. Like the altitude and the terrain and everything, it's... It's not really bothering me much these days. It's, I feel like I've gotten pretty accustomed to it. Even with the pack being heavy again and full of food, it feels pretty good. I think I'm pretty used to this at this point. Yosemite is a little drier and hotter than a lot of times when I come here right now. But now that we're almost to the valley, it's flowing rivers and getting green again, so that's nice. We walked through a forest that was pretty burnt out and a little depressing. Hopefully it'll grow back soon. I am starting to miss some of the trail culture. Now that we're in Yosemite proper, it's a lot of day hikers, a lot of people just there for the weekend, which is nice and everybody's nice, but I do kind of miss those moments where you walk by somebody and you're all kind of doing the same thing. And then you can stop and share information and discuss things. And there's this nice little bond there that's kind of missing now. I stopped asking people if they were on the JMT or if they were north or southbound because it's more often than not they didn't have any idea what I was talking about. Everybody takes the time to stop and to talk to one another and to just really hear your story, whatever that is, why ever you're there, if it's a five-minute conversation, if it's a 10-minute conversation, even if people are heading in opposite directions, like you're talking water resources and camps that you just stayed at that you liked and you know you are just having such a different connection in that time because that's it you have each other on the trail that was something that was so so beautiful was just that you know that connection that you get and that shared conversation with everyone you pass This is Alden Anderson. My first day on the John Muir Trail, it was very freeing, very exhilarating. You know, the feeling of freedom and I'm going to be on my own for the next four weeks. The first night on the John Muir Trail was 
kind of exciting because I was visited by a bear. I was just about to fall asleep and I heard my pots fall over, make a loud noise. So I opened my tent and shined my light and sure enough, there were two eyes staring back at me. One of the things about black bears as explained to me by a park ranger at Yosemite is that they could quite easily maim or kill a human, but by some fluke of evolution, the bears look at humans the same way they do as an alpha bear, so they're afraid of us. Um, they're afraid of humans. If you make a lot of noise, they'll usually run away. When I came face to face with a bear, logic is telling me that I can scare him away, but everything else inside of me is telling me that this animal is a lot bigger than me and could seriously injure or kill me if it wanted to. And I was just full of adrenaline. I, I realized I was shaking after, but I jumped up, got outside my tent, got my hiking pole, which I placed just outside my tent, and I was making lots of noise. The bear kind of looked at me, deciding what to do, and I was like, okay, fine, this is more than I can deal with. <laughs> so then the bear kind of ambled off into the darkness, and I went back in my tent. About five minutes later, I heard another guy in another tent not too far yelling and chasing the bear away, and then five or ten minutes later, there was another person. <laughs> Throughout the rest of the night, every time I woke up, I heard kind of a crashing noise, but the yelling was gone. The next day I ran into some hikers and they said that they woke up in the morning and the bear, which must have been the same bear, was grabbing their bear canister and had lifted it above its head and was smashing it on a rock. So this bear had learned that eventually, given enough time, it could get into the bear canisters. So every night from then on out, I always put my bear canister with my cooking pots on top of it, just in case. Day 24, 6.05 p.m. We're at Little Yosemite Valley now. We hiked about nine miles to get here. Uh, still a little bit of a struggle for Erica, but not too bad. Got here pretty early, swam in the river, cleaned up a little bit, ate food. Now I'm hiking over to scout out the spot where I need to meet up with Mark in the morning to go climb Snake Dyke. I decided to drive up from Southern California to meet up with Jason at the very end of his JMT hike. Since he was going from south to north, that meant he was going to pass right by Half Dome on his way down to Yosemite Valley. And I had never summited Half Dome before, nor had I ever climbed Snake Dyke, which is a very popular climbing route that takes you up the backside of Half Dome. And going this way, you don't need a permit. So not only was this the perfect opportunity to knock out two bucket list items, it was also an opportunity to see a friend at the end of his adventure and pick his brain about his experience while it was still fresh. So I drove up, hiked up the mist trail early the next morning, schlepping all the climbing gear where I uh, eventually met up with Jason on the trail. We climbed the nerve-wracking route to the top of Half Dome, enjoyed the spectacular views and created memories that I'll remember for a long time. I mean, how many people can say they finished their JMT hike by climbing Snake Dyke to Summit Half Dome? It was all around an incredible experience. Day 26, 7.21 a.m. We're almost packed up and ready to go. Final day. Got about four and a half miles to hike down. I do have a lot of stuff to carry now. Uh, yesterday worked out pretty much perfectly. I had scoped out the trail for Snake Dyke the night before. Luckily found it right before it got dark. And then as I was hiking out in the morning to meet up with Mark, the 15, 20 minutes, there he was hiking up the trail. Climb Snake Dyke. And Snake Dyke was super cool. Pretty easy climbing, but pretty frightening. There is very little protection and a lot of slab climbing, so a lot of 
just trusting your feet with absolutely no hands for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 feet before you had any kind of protection. Glad we finally got to do it. Super cool experience, even though it was somewhat frightening. Got to the top. Erica had been up there for about 20 minutes. She was doing the hike. We met up with her like we were hoping to do. And then all hiked back to camp, mostly without any water, because we'd all pretty much run out of water. Yesterday was probably the most exhausting day, even though I only hiked six or seven miles. But yeah, all that climbing and everything compiling kind of wore me out. Glad that we're leaving today. My water filter is just getting increasingly clogged and getting harder and harder to use. So thankfully I don't have to use that anymore. Mark Mark left last night and I told him to leave all my gear. So I have to carry all my climbing gear in addition to all my backpacking gear. Thankfully my bear canister is almost entirely empty. That is going to be considerably lighter, but I do think with a rope and everything else, I might be hiking out with 60 pounds. But thankfully it's four, four and a half, maybe five miles almost entirely downhill so that should be helpful through terrain i've hiked before so i know what to expect but we will be leaving shortly and uh this trip will be coming to an end very soon I suspect we'll be down no later than noon and then it's pizza and beer and hang out with people and take a shuttle back to the cars and head back to civilization my final day was a really magical one i had planned my final day on my mount whitney summit with uh three friends so i was already you know at this point fully conditioned you know practically running and jumping and skipping on the trails zero altitude issues and then we ended up um, getting up at 1 a.m in the morning so we could get to mount whitney for the sunrise and it was one of the most beautiful hikes. It was a fingernail moon, so it was really dark. So you could just see all of the stars. It didn't really illuminate much. You could see shooting stars in the sky. You could just really see so much. I ended up getting up there a little bit faster, boiled hot water and made hot cocoa and coffee for everyone once they arrived and I brought snacks. And we just sat and we watched the sunrise and it had to have been one of the most just touching epic moments. It was my birthday. I was with three really beautiful friends that, you know, took the challenge to be there with me. And then I ended up staying about an hour and a half longer and just kind of, you know, reflected on my month on the trail by myself. So something I think you'll hear from a lot of people who finish long-distance hikes like this or even longer ones is that they're anticlimactic. You come to a trailhead and it just kind of ends. There's rarely a big group of people waiting there to applaud you. Many people you pass won't really have any sense what you did. And so that was my experience ending the JMT. We arrived at Happy Isles. We saw the sign that says 211 miles to Mount Whitney and it was over. This was my 26th day on the trail and I had reached a point where I was prepared to leave the trail. Many will say that they weren't ready to go back to society. They weren't ready to leave this experience behind. I wasn't eager to leave, but I felt like everything I wanted to get from the trail, I had gotten in those four weeks. So I remember telling someone, I love this, but I am ready for it to end because I'm ready to have different new experiences. That being said, looking back on this, and this isn't the kind of sentence I typically say, but giving myself a month to do the John Muir Trail is without a doubt one of the best gifts I have ever given myself. And one of the most surprising things to me was how much I would leave 
appreciating the social interactions and the people I met on the trail. And people will also say that reintegrating into society is difficult and that there are post-trail blues, depression, whatever you want to call it. And there was a bit of that. It wasn't a reluctance to get back to work or do those things. It was just this kind of idea inside that so many of the things that we find so important in life and take for granted in society aren't as valuable and important as we think they are. And it left me, as these things often do, with a desire to do things that are important and leave a smaller footprint and a less damaging impact by my existence. Hey, Jason, it's David Burns calling, your old bud from the JMT. I started it on uh, August the 16th, my birthday, and ended up finishing it up about 28 days later, covering almost 250 miles because I did do a couple of side trips. And yes, it was the trip of a lifetime. Of course, there's a lot of beautiful rock out there, a lot of beautiful trees, statuesque trees, flowers, uh, solitude. All of that was great. All of that was great. Um, very hard. Uh, I was exhausted many, many nights. I slept like a log. For me, the memories I have uh, were memories of stars at night, friendships, uh, and really just beautiful wildflowers and clear water. Mostly, I think I came away with just a totally new appreciation for beauty. And it's really its power to heal me and, and the world, too. Beauty in its broadest definition, both within and without. And I think one of the most lasting things, uh, Jason, was just a newfound appreciation for simplicity and the power of slowing down. The JMT, man, got to tell you, trip of a lifetime, loved it, and I want more of it. I want more of it for everybody in this world. 